Thank you for joining us up, us again uh, this week with Sabir. And in the hot seat this week is uh, Alexandra Watkins. Uh, she's the chief uh, executive boss lady of naming agency Eat My Words. What an amazing name. And we'll talk about plenty about naming things. And she's a, a leading and outspoken authority on brand names. Uh, she does have a book that I would highly recommend for people to pick up. Uh, if you love paperback, it's available in paperback. If you love Audible, it's available as an audiobook also. It's called Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick. Uh, so you could definitely, that's the book. I'll keep it up there while I go through the bio. Uh, so Alexandra and her firm have been creating love at first sight uh, brand names for clients like gigantic clients like Amazon and uh, to all the way to Xerox. Uh, some of the names that are kind of Hall of Fame names are like Nito or Robotic Vacuum, Smitten, Ice Cream, Spanish Language School, Gringo, Lingo, uh, Frozen Yogurt Franchise, Spoon Me, and the, the, this final one I, I really love, The Church of Cupcakes, you know. Uh, so, Alexandra, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sabir. It's so good to be here in the hot seat. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> So uh, first, I would like to kind of introduce you beyond the, beyond the uh, bio that you uh, shared with me and that we shared with the audience. Uh, tell us more about your background. Like before we jump into naming things, let's talk about you, Alexandra Watkins, about your background and who you are. Okay. Well, I started my career as an advertising copywriter. And that was my dream job. Ever since I was in eighth grade, I knew I wanted to be in advertising. So I convinced my parents that I didn't need to go to college because I already knew what I wanted to do. And uh, much to their chagrin, I, did, I didn't go. But I did get a job right away. I talked my way into a job at an, at an agency and eventually worked my way up to Ogilvy & Mather, uh, which is a big international ad agency. And every once in a while, as a copywriter, I would get thrown a bone and get to name something. And I loved naming. It was fun. It was easy. I knew I was good at it. But I didn't know that naming was a profession. And when I finally figured that out 15 years later, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I decided to switch gears and move from advertising into branding and become a professional namer. So that's how I got my start. Oh, wow. Incredible. Um, so did not go to college for this, right? This is something that, uh, you know, you, you, you were pitched uh, and you had the opportunity, I guess, at bat at Ogilvy to not only just do marketing copy and advertising copy, but sometimes actually do naming of whether it's a brand name, it's a product name, it's a service name, anything or event name or anything like that. And then you saw that, hey, you know, this is amazing. I, I love doing this and somebody's going to pay me full time, 100% of the time to name things. Yeah, that's what happened. But in advertising, there was no process. It was more like, hey, our car client needs a name for this new model they're coming out with. If you have any ideas, just you know, email them. So there was no process. And when I became a namer, I realized that, well, first of all, I needed a process and I needed something to really sink my teeth into as far as what made me different. And what I realized is naming firms and branding firms hire namers 
that have backgrounds in linguist, you know, a degree in linguistics, right? Uh, they know Latin, but I didn't have any of that. But I did have a really firm grasp on concepts and making emotional connections because ads, when you're writing a headline as a copywriter, it's all about making that connection with somebody and having your, your headline resonate with them so they're feeling a connection to the product. So I knew that names could act in the same way, like the Neato robotic vacuum. You know, Neato, when you hear it and you see it, like it makes you smile. And so, I, my whole thing then became, well, our names are based on concepts instead of Latin and linguistics. So that's what was the big differentiator for me and how I was able to, pardon the pun, make a name for myself. You know, it's funny you say um, like linguistics, a lot of names that I have seen is some variation of a Greek god, you know? Uh, from the Iliad, uh, Odyssey, Zeus, you know, Aphrodite, you know, uh, names like that, you know, like, and you can find it, whether it's a cosmetic brand or, a, or, or, or if it's a, some sort of a machinery that does amazing things and it's gi gigantic, they they give it a, like a godlike name to it. What are your thoughts on that? Those names have been done to death. And actually right after this call, I'm doing a presentation, uh, to, uh, I, I'm not gonna say who, but anyway, the chairman, <laughs> of the, company, the chairman of the company really likes names that are, you know, this whole Greek, Greek God thing. And they've been done and they've all been taken trademark wise. So forget that. Uh, and here's a great example for you. Not, people don't know how to pronounce every Greek God. So look at Nike, right? A lot, cause it looks like it would be pronounced Nike. And a lot of people do pronounce it Nike. And if you don't believe me, uh, I know this because I've Googled it. How do you pronounce Nike? Nike, And you will see, you know, 750,000 people have asked the same question. And I saw in a blog that on some runner's uh, website that some guy that worked in a running store said people come in all the time and ask for Nikes, right? So uh, just because, and look, it, with them it's fine, you know, it doesn't matter what they're, how you pronounce it at that point. Like there's such an iconic, huge brand, but you want your name. You, you want people to people. You're not going to be there to explain your name to people. So, uh, like with, I'm trying to think Zeus, right. Or, I no. mean, obviously we all know that, but there's going to be some like Aphrodite. It looks like Aphrodite, right? So, you're not going to be there to tell people how to pronounce something or what that Greek God, uh, was the Greek God of or what it means and all that. So yeah, our, my feeling on this is your name needs to be able to stand on its own essentially. And because 99.99% of the time you will not be there to explain it. Yep. And also I think culturally people pronounce things differently, right? I mean, you mentioned Nike, but the, uh, a, uh, a competitive brand to that is, uh, Adidas, right? Uh, uh, in the United States, I think it's Adidas, but uh, I don't know if it's uh, Adidas. Uh, I think it's pronounced differently in Europe and, and the rest of the world. America pronounces it differently. Uh, so to your point, like, and these are pretty iconic names. They have existed for a long time. and But still, culturally, people pronounce the words that they want to pronounce it in a certain way. Yeah, but then, okay, so do you know the running shoe? It's called, 
It's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> okay. Well, most people think it's Sakoni, but Sakoni. it's Sakoni. But how would you know that? And I only know that because I looked it up. Um, and in my in my book, <laughs> I have this whole chart of like names you're probably pronouncing wrong and the correct way to pronounce them. So here's the thing: you only want your name to be pronounced one way. And like, let's just put you know Sakoni and Nike aside for a minute there. But if like here's a good example. There's a brand that I saw. It's like a the like a, one of those green powders you put in your drink, you know, your spinach drink that you're making in the morning and your Nutribullet. And it's called V it's V-E-G-A, right? So do you pronounce that Vega like vegan? Vega like the veg Vega, like the old 70s card Vega, or um, Vegja, like vegetarian. And I would think it would either be Vegja, like vegetarian, or Vega, like mm -hmm. vegan. And it's not. It's it's Vega. So, like, go figure. And the only reason I know that is I called the company after hours to hear what their voicemails were. <laughs> 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 I was so embarrassed to call and ask. So, yeah, you only, and here's why. If you are telling me, you're like, Alexandra, you have to try this new green powder. It's called Veja, but somebody else is telling me about something called Vega, and someone else is telling me about something called uh, Veja. Like, you know what I mean? Three, I don't even know that they're talking about the same product. Okay. So, what are some of the favorite brand names you have created? Right. I mentioned some of them, and some that have been created not by you, by others that you really love? Well, my favorite brand name I ever created is, uh, and I didn't create it at, at Eat My Words. I, create, I created it as a freelancer for another firm. The firm was named Strategic Name Development. Um, and it was for a new bacon cheeseburger for Wendy's. And I, it's the Wendy's Baconator. So I came up with that name. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I can't take credit for it anywhere except, you know, I can talk about it like this. Um, I think hopefully they won't send the, <laughs> the grammar police or whoever comes after me for such a thing. But, um, you know, they're a really reputable firm, Strategic Name Development. I was a freelancer, and that was one of the reasons I had to go get my direct clients because all these companies are putting their good name on my great name, so I needed to take credit for my <laughs> names. Uh, so yes, the frozen yogurt story mentioned Spoon Me, the Church of Cupcakes, uh, the robotic vacuum Neato. Um, I love, we named it GPS for Dogs Retriever. Uh, the Spanish language school you mentioned, uh, it's in Cali, Colombia, and the name is Gringo Lingo. So I like names that make people smile and have this whole philosophy, a name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. Yeah. And what about other brand, uh, so favorite other brand names by others? My favorite brand name of all time is a bike pump named Joe Blow. <laughs> and then the bike lock, bike companies have great names. There, there's a bike lock that you probably have heard of, Kryptonite. And Kryptonite oh, wow. is a great name because this is this is what I mean by like, um, it, it's, it's a great name because it's based in the familiar. We all know kryptonite from Superman, right? And if mm -hmm. Superman couldn't penetrate kryptonite, then a bike thief can't pe penetrate kryptonite locks. Or it's going to repel. Like 
Kryptonite repelled Superman. It will repel bike thieves. So that's why I love the name Kryptonite. And then I also like this name. It's it's a amalgamation of two words, um, and it's for an ice cream brand, and it's dream, dreamery. So it combines dream plus creamery. Dreamery. Oh, wow. Nice. So those are those are three three of my favorite names. So. Some some things uh, because I've been in the industry in social digital e-commerce for such a long time. There were some things that were got done to death, and I, I just want to hear your thoughts on it. Cyber anything, yeah. <laughs> e anything or yep. I anything. Yeah. Yeah. E I <laughs> E I E I O <laughs> E I um, Rocket Monkey. Yeah. Daddy, Jim. Jim. those are all names that just all those words should just like don't use any of those words that have been done to death. Oh, bright is I see bright all the time. Um, people just try so hard and they're they're not even thinking. Um, so like someone was asking me yesterday, there's a name crowdsourcing website called Squad Help, and like that's not even a good name. Why isn't it help squad? Squad helped, it's, it's, it feels forced. Um, and by the way, you can go there and pay a very low amount and get a bunch of crap names. Um, and I'm serious when I say that, like all of their names are pretty forced or pretty much all of their names are pretty forced. Um, you know, I am a really strong believer when I say a name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. I have this whole acronym, SMILE, it's the five qualities that make a name great. Scratch are the seven deadly deal breakers when you should scratch it off the list. And we don't need to talk about those right this second, but we should talk about them so I can make everybody aware because you don't know what makes a name good, what makes a name bad. People don't think about this every day, but I do. And I have been doing it for 15 years so I can help you avoid a lot of pain. Uh, I say names are like relationships where in the beginning you fall in love quickly and you kind of overlook the things that could be issues, right? Like maybe you're Maybe someone drinks too much. Like, oh, you kind of overlook it or you make excuses for it. Well, eventually you might break up with that person, hopefully. But with names, you know, people lock in. And then the next thing you know, you're stuck with something. And you're like, ah, oh, I should have thought more deeply about this. But I was in such a hurry to get a name that I didn't really think about all of the issues and that I would be stuck with this forever. I mean, the one phrase I've heard, I don't know if it's the right thing to say or not. It's like the mom goggles, right? You, you know, the name that you are looking at looks I so perfect. That. You fall in love with it, you know, it's, and mom then- Mom goggles, yeah. yeah. And you ignore everything else about that, anything negative with it, because you, you are in so much love with it, with that name, you know? I love that mom goggles, but but in, in this <laughs> instance, it's really engineer goggles that- yeah. I'm responsible for this, but mom goggles. I totally get that. Yeah, I mean, especially you don't want to hear that your kid is bad or whatever. So you put on that blinders on, and you don't even you completely ignore everything else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a term that I heard. English it's is, by the great. way, my seventh language. It's not my first. You know. Oh my gosh. Okay, you're <laughs> awesome. The, the mom goggles thing. It also applies to 
you know, if you show your mom a name, like, hey, mom, th this is what I'm thinking of naming your business. Of course, your mom is going to say it's a great name. She loves you. <laughs> but you can't trust your friends and family to tell you if your name is good or not because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Also, they don't know. Um, and you can trust me, though. I, I will give it to you straight. Sounds good. So let's talk about let's talk about the um, actually before I, I jump into the process, I want to ask you this because uh, you're a phenomenal guest to, to be on this show. Like, especially I always, I, uh, I always thought about like, where do names come from and stuff like that. Right. So one thing I, I do want to say, and because you live this lifestyle and you, you, you work in this, uh, vein here, I, I want you to dispel some confusion. Right. And I hope that you can Chevy Nova Ford Nova. Every MBA student that goes to whether they went to Harvard or Yale or whatever, they always hear about this case study about how brand names need to be a bit more culturally fit uh, when Ford or Chevy, I don't know who, who it was, it was Chevy. Uh, uh, went to South America. They named their car Chevy Nova, which exists in the United States, right? When, when it went there, Nova actually in Spanish means it doesn't go, right? So tell us. Is okay, that, that whole story is complete BS. So here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. When Chevy went to South America and launched the Nova, a reporter, just some reporter, made this joke, right? You know how we joke like Fiat stands for fix it again, Tony? <laughs> That's what it was. It was Nova means won't go. And it was a joke. Like fix it again, Tony. So can you imagine, can you imagine if in the Harvard Business School they're teaching that, well, Fiat really stood for fix it again, Tony? I mean, come on. So here's the deal. It did Nova doesn't translate into won't go any more than the word notable translates in English into no table. So if you were buying a, a dinette set and it was from the notable collection, would you say, oh, that's from the no table collection. So it means there's no table. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? So this whole rumor got started and it became this, this you know, almost an urban legend. But what happened is like it, it just more and more got built onto it. So for instance, <laughs> they said, well, okay, so they killed the Nova and then they launched, then Chevy launched, they renamed it the Carib and then sales of the Carib skyrocketed. Okay, true, there is no Chevy Carib. The Carib was made by Volkswagen. So this is how, you know, things just build up. And also think about this. Do you think that when Nova went into the South American markets and things were being translated like the um, the owner's manual, right? You know, when you get your car, you have all the, the stack of like yeah. papers that come with it. Do you think that anyone in the translation department might have raised an issue if it meant won't go and like, oh, this is really bad? Do you think any dealers might have spoken up before the car was launched? Yeah, no, they didn't because it wasn't a thing. It, it was, it's just BS. And what I encourage all of you to do, if you don't believe me, is uh, go to Snopes.com and you can look it up there. Also, uh, a name or friend of mine, Nancy Friedman, wrote this fantastic blog post about it. So uh, 
that is not a true story. And I believe that so many times people are worried that their name is going to mean something dirty in French and it just doesn't happen. It happens <laughs> once in a while. Uh, for instance, there was a, a toothpaste company that launched a brand of toothpaste named Q in France, C-U-E, uh, unaware that Q is the name of a, of a French porn magazine. So it does happen. Uh, and I, I definitely uh, encourage anybody going into foreign markets to do, do your research. But uh, it happens a lot less than you would think. But when it does happen, it's, uh, it can be a disaster, especially now with the Internet and the Twitter sphere. And, like, you will be taken down so fast where in the past, and I have a couple stories if you're interested, um, things just kind of kept going right along. Um, because the internet wasn't around. <laughs> so yeah, there's been some, there's been some issues. I mean, anything happens anywhere in the world within like two seconds, you know about it, you know, oh it's God. no longer that yeah. you're waiting for media to report to you. Everybody is reporting. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate when people, it really happens a lot with logos too, where a brand will launch a new logo and just get eviscerated and, so where they used to be able to do it kind of quietly, nothing's quiet anymore, yeah. right? I mean, everything is visible. Everything is visible. I mean, there is no, uh, there is no privacy. So, I mean, yeah. can I give yeah. two quick examples? Yeah, please do. Yeah. Okay, just because people love people love these. Okay, one is um, Whole Foods, as we we I think most of us know, and they're owned by Amazon. They partner with local restaurants. And cafes, when they launch a new store, so their cafe has like is the is like a real brand of a restaurant. So uh, Whole Foods, I think there's one of the Seattle ones. Brand uh, their restaurant was called Yellow Fever, and Yellow Fever. First of all, it's a deadly disease. It kills. It kills. You know, I'm sure thousands of people every year. You know, deadly infectious disease. And also yellow fever is slang for someone who's attracted to people of Asian descent. And so wow. it's just so bad. And the owners actually knew that, but they were able, they were just willing to like set it aside. But of course, when somebody got a hold of this, you know, and it went on viral, then that's speaking of infectious diseases, um, like someone in the Washington Post, I think in a blog wrote, um, come for the, come, what did they say? Come for the food, stay for the disease or something like that. But like people were not kind. Uh, and so that was like internet age, right? Eviscerate, instant evisceration. Then, and think of how expensive that is, right? Like, first of all, like damage control, like, you know, hiring the PR firm, doing all that. Then just having to rebrand with a new name. Uh, years ago, there was a, a coffee company that launched in the Midwest, and their name was Beaners. And Beaners, I know, living in San Diego and growing up here, like Beaner is a terrible racial slur for someone yeah. of Hispanic descent. And, I mean, it's just so offensive. And it's like the N word, right? Like you just would never use that. It's it's just, it's, it makes me cringe. It makes that, you know, it's just bad. And so Beaner's copy had, 
they grew to 70 locations. And this is really pre, I mean, maybe AOL was around at the time, but certainly Twitter wasn't and Facebook. They grew to 70 locations and they knew that their name was offensive, but they still kept growing. I, that wouldn't have happened these days. And they finally, after 70 locations, got around and they changed it to Big, Big B Coffee, which is like Big B, it's so lukewarm, right? Mm. Um, and it cost them over a million dollars to change their name, where if they had just gone to the Urban Dictionary, which I think was around back then, or if they had just listened to whoever first said, you know what, this is a racial slur. If like, don't don't go there, just pick a different name. No, I, I think also, do you think in those kind of circumstances, somebody in the room says, uh, oh, you know what? A negative publicity is still a publicity, yeah, some kind I of a moronic do. thing like that, you know? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. And actually, when I do, I think you're right. And some people are back then. I don't know. I think, I think that old term negative publicity, it doesn't apply anymore because of council culture, right? Like yeah. now you're just out. Bye. See you. All your customers have left. There's, you know, advertisers are being boycotted. All of that happens now. So I think there's a much higher uh, awareness of of what can happen now that it it doesn't happen anymore yeah so let's now talk about the um by the way thank you for that insight because i, I want to stop i want to stop people spreading the the wrong information especially related to like chevy nova you know that that's just the urban legend uh, so let's talk about the creative process you know what do we go through or do we do we get into a room and start brainstorming and throw throw things and see what sticks on the whiteboard? No, so, so take us through that. That's a good question. I think you know the answer. You know the answer to that because you've read and listened to my book, and I definitely have an opinion here. So listen up, everybody. The way that you're brainstorming now, sitting in a white room, staring at a whiteboard, is not how colorful names materialize because. Everything that you're, you're just trying to get ideas from what's in your head. So if six people sit around a table and you're brainstorming, you're really limited to what's in your head and what you're able to draw out of your brain's dusty filing cabinet at that moment. And it's also just really ineffective to try to brainstorm because what happens is there's people like me that are extroverts, right? And so I'm going to be dominant. I'm going to be shouting my names out there. I'm going to be kind of railroading other people. And then there's going to be the extrovert who might be holding back because they're maybe they're unsure if their name's even good, or maybe you're an extrovert like me, but you want to ask your boss uh, for a raise the next day. So you're like, well, I'm not going to rock the boat. <laughs> maybe the boss has a name that he suggests it totally sucks, but nobody can wants to say that it sucks because he's the boss or you can't articulate that it sucks. And that's why, you know, when we go through scratch, the seven deal breakers, you wouldn't even need to articulate it. You could just show the boss like, oh, hey, it looks like according to this test, the smile and scratch test, that won't be a good name for us. But the best way to brainstorm is not sitting in that room. It's uh, on the internet. And I have tons and tons of ways that you can do that. 
I discuss them all in my book. I have a new, uh, or discuss a lot of them in my book. I have a new online course, how to create super sticky brand names with 10 brainstorming lessons. But I'll give you an example, uh, pictures. So if sitting in the white room, again, you're just limited to what's in your head and the people around you. But if, if you go to Google Images and you're looking for a concept, like, so let's say you're naming a new semiconductor and it's fast. If you go to Google Images or go to uh, like Adobe Stock and you type in, or you know, Shutterstock and you type in fast, you're gonna get a lot of metaphors for fast. So you're gonna see like, you know, animals that are fast and runners that are fast and race cars that are fast. So that's gonna lead you to creative ideas. So I believe that everything you need to brainstorm is right in front of you on the internet. You just need to know where to look. Actually, in that mix, uh, what I like doing also is uh, Pinterest. Uh, Pinterest yeah. has, it's an incredible and searchable library of, like at least people have contributed a lot of concepts to it. So that also gives, gives me uh, a pretty good idea. But actually just kind of going back to what you said earlier, it also depends on the culture of the company too, right? If, if the CMO is always right, right? And she's always right because she's the boss and that's her idea and it's all, she's always right. If you have that sort of a culture, then the poor person who is a marketing analyst out of school, maybe two, three years, uh, you know, it's hard for that person to, it's not just a promotion thing. She just wants to keep her job. You know, the, the, the junior analyst wants to keep her job. So she may, may say, okay, you know what? Uh, I think it's a bad idea, but you know, if, if that she thinks that it's a good idea, I, I let it go. Right. And then when, when a disaster hits, I, at least, you know, it's going to hit her because she made the decision, you know, Right. Well, you need to know what where to pick your battles, right? When yeah. you're in corporate, and and I get that. But I will tell you, every single person that's ever and I, I know because I've been doing this long enough and working with enough corporate clients that you talk to people and you say, "Have you have you had the situation where you're in a brainstorming meeting and what happens is you just you don't end up with the right name you end up with the name that's met with the least resistance and everybody nods their head like yeah you know this is the one name that like didn't get voted down because no one really had anything bad to say about it but it wasn't really great either that happens all the time because people don't have an objective criteria to even evaluate a name to know if it's good but like with the cmo who's always right if you were able to show her and some like really objective criteria and have her think about that, um, like the pronunciation thing, can it be pronounced two or three different ways? That's going to make it difficult. You know, you want only want your brand to be. You don't want to uh, kind of weaken your brand by having it known by two different names. So, if you're able to show her or him something really objective, it it will help you get to that right name. So actually, Alexandra, when you were um, saying that, what, what was going through my mind is being picked last in a dodgeball game. <laughs> so, what value are you gonna get from that player if the person was not? If you're, if you're, you know how how in school you pick out in do playing dodgeball, you pick out your players that you want on your team versus your opposing team, and the person who's picked last, you know, what value would that person bring? to that, you know, and, and when you were saying that, 
you know, when 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 decision is made through consensus in a in a uh, you know whiteboard room or or something like that, you know, it's like what is the least offensive, lowest common denominator, watered down. Yeah. yeah, let's stick with that. That's that seems pretty safe, you know. Yeah, lowest common denominator, exactly. So I created a process that we use with with our corporate clients where we have a consensus building process, and it's a it's a blind process in the beginning. And where everybody's giving their thoughts on names independently without having uh, interference from everybody else. And then when we present the names to the group, they're seeing which names got the most love versus which names didn't get any love. So already people have been able to express their opinion without worrying about what everybody else thinks. So we, we found ways to kind of get around a lot of these trouble areas that companies have to, to really even the playing field and give people a process, even for submitting names. Like I talked about, like, you know, working at Ogilvy and agent, you know, ad agencies where it would be like, just send us your ideas. And when people are trying to name a product internally, often that's what happens where people are just emailing things back and forth and there's no, there's no um, filter filter for evaluation or, you know, things are falling by the wayside and there's no process. And that's where there, believe it or not, there is a process and you know, we've refined it over the years and that's why it works. So what makes a strong brand name in your view? A strong brand name is a name. So SMILE is the acronym for the five qualities that make a, a name strong. Um, so the S in SMILE stands for suggestive. You want your name to suggest something about what your product is or does. Uh, you, you can't let it be uh, arbitrary or meaningless. So for instance, um, Amazon to me suggests large. I've been on the Amazon and it's you know one of the largest rivers in the world. And that's what Jeff Bezos had in mind when he came up with the name. By the way, the original name he came up with was Cadabra like abracadabra, but then uh, they discovered that cadabra in Spanish sounds too much like cadaver. So uh, they, they ditched that name. So that's a company that did their research. Now, what if Jeff Bezos had named Amazon Book Barn? So they would have they would have uh, never been able to, you know, what's the Expand last thing? Expand out, yeah. Yeah, what's the last thing you bought on Amazon, right? It, you know, a leaf blower? Like it wasn't probably a book. Well, you buy it. You, Get a lot you read a lot of books so maybe you, buy <laughs> you get like yeah so yeah your name needs to be suggestive of either what your brand is or does or a positive brand experience then um the m stands for memorable you want your name to be based in the familiar people need their brain needs to latch on to something that they already have an association with the i and smile and that's like kryptonite right like oh we already have an association with with Superman, so we, we're making that connection, that association. The I and smile stands for imagery. People remember pictures much more easily than they can recall words or random letters. So if you can tie your name into something that evokes imagery, people will be able to recall it 
much more easily later on. So like we were naming an energy, an all natural energy drink for women and we named it Bloom because you, every woman knows at four o'clock in the afternoon is when you're fading. That's like the give me a Diet Coke hour. But uh, we created, you know, we have this all natural drink instead and we named it Bloom because you know, you wanna bloom in the afternoon. So that way, when you're going to, uh, you know, the grocery store and you're facing that wall of beverages, right? There's like two beverage aisles now in the grocery store and you're like, oh, what was that name? And like, you can re remember the flower blooming. So that's uh, I and is imagery. The L in smile, it's L, stands for legs. Legs means your name lends itself to a theme. A good example of that is my company name, Eat My Words, lends itself to the theme of food and beverage. Right behind me, you can see our uh, pink refrigerator. That's our icon. It's where I, I keep my cool books. Um, I think, can you see my yeah. books a little bit? Yeah, it's a bookshelf, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so our, my business card is the pink fridge. It opens up. Um, we have these little pink fridge uh, mints, little uh, little mint tin. Um, our blog is called The Kitchen Sink. We have, you know, packages like the whole enchilada. Um, I used to have one called Snack. So if your name lends itself to wordplay, it really can help you extend the mileage of it. And then the E in smile stands for emotional. You really want your name to make an emotional connection. It's the difference between, you know, looking for a mosquito zapper at 2 a.m. on Amazon because you're being attacked by a blood-sucking mosquito and you're facing this, you know, oh, all these products on Amazon and they all kind of look the same. Um, and one is called Zergon and another is called Alucjo. <laughs> uh, and then you see one called The Executioner. That's a name that's going to make an emotional connection, right? You're like, yes, I want to, you know, I want to, uh, you know, kill I that. I want to kill it dead. <laughs> blast it into oblivion, you know, you've eaten your last meal, little bugger. So <laughs> that's a name that makes an emotional connection. So you want to ideally have all of those qualities in your name to for, for it really to be strong. What, in your view, what are some of the common misconceptions about brand names? Um, the most common mis misperception is that you have to own an exact match domain name. And it, it's just not true. I mean, there's there's hardly any left on the, there's no real word names left on the inter that are available as a domain name. You can go in the aftermarket and try to get something that's a whole word name, but even then there's, they're hard to find. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in, and any namer will tell you this, add a modifier word. Uh, most people don't know for the first 16 years or 13 years they were in business. Tesla was at teslamotors.com. Facebook was the Facebook until 2005. Um, Basecamp had, you know, millions of users when they were at Basecamp HQ. Dropbox, same thing, really well established, lots of traction. And they were, as you may remember, getdropbox.com. Yeah. So if you come up with a brand name that's good, 
do not let the fact that you can't get an exact match domain stop you. You know, I like to think of it as the roadblock, right? Like Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, they got around the roadblock and, and you can too. It's really easy to do so. Yeah. What about the other extensions of domain names? What, what are your thoughts on that? Like .io and .ly? Uh, uh, not a fan, and here's why. So, like .io. First of all, what does .io stand for? Does Does anyone know? Um, do you know? I I think each one of these things is a different country, right? L yeah. Ly is Libya, I believe. Yeah. Um, and .io, I think I don't know, island of something. Uh, Indian Ocean Territories. Uh, Indian Ocean Territory. There you go. Ly is Libya. .co yeah. is the other one. Colombia. I think Libya. If you had to go to Libya as a requirement to get the .ly, I doubt very many people would, would get that domain, domain mm -hmm. name. It's a very rough country to visit. But here's why those names are those domain names are a bad idea. So let's look at General Assembly, right? That's a, you can take classes there. Um, their domain name is generalassemb.ly. So every time they have to say their name to somebody, they have to spell, or their domain name, they have to spell, it's generalassam.ly. Like, anytime you're having to explain your name to someone, you're essentially apologizing for it. And when you apologize for your name, you are devaluing your brand. Here's another example. This is a domain name, it's a company, and their domain name is card, C-A-R-D dot I-O. Is that company pronounced Card.io, card or cardio? I don't know. Maybe it's written on their business cardio. So nobody wants to take the time to find out. Your name now can be pronounced three different ways. You're not going to be there to explain it to people and people are going to stumble over it. And even after you tell someone our domain name is card.io, there are people, and I know a lot of your listeners might be in, in tech, a lot of people aren't in tech, believe it or not. I used to live in the Bay Area where everyone was in tech. Now that I live in San Diego, I realize, hey, I was in the bubble and there's <laughs> a lot of people that aren't in technology at all. So what happens is when you say our domain name is card.io, people will say, and I know this for a fact because we rename companies all the time that have had these bad, like they're called CCTLDs, the country code, yeah, um, yeah. code top-level domain names. Um, you say our domain name is card.io and they'll say card.io.com? No, just card.io. Well, where's the .com? Well, there is no .com. <laughs> Again, you're like getting into this conversation. So instead of instead of having to say who you are, like we're eatmywords.com. Like people know how to, they understand how to spell it. There's no question about it other than I always get, oh my God, I love your name. What's that all about? Oh, we started out naming things that make people fat and drunk. So like I've got my story ready to go. But if you're constantly having to apologize for your name or spell it for people, then you're starting off in the negative. You want to start in the positive. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also the dot US that's, uh, that's been abused too, like words yeah. like delicious. Del oh, delicious yeah. is a domain oh, yeah. domain name. <laughs> Here's the story about delicious. When I first wrote my book, I met with my editor in 2013, and I said, and he they approached me about writing a book on names, but then I had to write the outline for it. 
So I had a chapter on domain names. I said, just, you know, on a piece of paper, oh, there should be a chapter on domains. Oh, you don't need a chapter on domain names. Just make that ancillary information on your website. I said, no, you don't understand. Like, we get more questions about that. We get half the stuff of what we do is renaming companies that have ha had a bad name because of their domain name. And my editor said, well, what about Delicious? It has those dots in it. So I went home and I looked up Delicious, and while nobody was noticing, Delicious removed all the dots. And they wrote a blog post about it, and they said that everybody butchered where the dots went, right? Nobody ever got it right. So they removed the dots, they bought delicious.com, and that was the end of that. But the dots don't help. Yeah, and like with .us, and I named a company the other day, and it ended in U.S., and they were tempted to go there. I'm like, don't go there. You're, you're going to regret it. I mean, you could own the domain name, but you have to redirect it to the correct one, you know, so that yeah, you, you if somebody mistypes it. it. Yeah, and those, yeah, but I'm, I'm telling you, those domain names have been around for years, right? Like, look how long Delicious was around, right? Yeah. If, they st if that trend still hasn't gained traction, it's not ever going to. And then it's, it's like teaching somebody a, a different language, right? They're used to a certain language and, and, and a lot of good writing, especially for consumer speak, tends to be like sixth, sixth grade and above, right? Now you're trying to do something complicated and you're expecting consumers to pick, pick that up from you. That's, that's a difficult task, you know, unless you have a war chest of marketing and brand brand budget to just reteach people, <laughs> you know, it's a lost battle. Don't don't even go there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, I think a good example of that is years ago I was at the sound company THX, and which, by the way, my friend um, thinks is pronounced thanks because of the text abbreviation <laughs> THX. Yeah. But THX was around long before people were texting. But uh, I was talking to the, the GM and I asked him, what are some names that you really like? And he said, oh, I love the Sony Wii. And it had just come out that day. And I hadn't heard of it yet. And I said, oh, is that spelled W? And I was not being facetious, I was serious. Is that spelled W-E-W-H-E-E -E -E or O-U-I? You know, the French uh, spelling of Wii. Yeah. And he said, neither, none. You know, none of the above. And they had enough money to really get their name out there, right? W-I-I and the, I get it, the joysticks with the I is very clever. But yeah. you probably don't have a gazillion dollar ad budget when you're starting your company. And that's why your name needs to work so hard for you. So I always say, when you're starting out with a blank slate, don't give yourself any disadvantages and think about your own name i mean sabir your name is unusual right most people it's most people especially in the states it's unfamiliar right they might be pronouncing it wrong they're probably having difficulty 100 percent of the time by the way right. yeah right so <laughs> I, I mean i got it just because i've traveled some i've been to 50 countries i, I know how to pronounce most things but yeah. like sabir it sounds like it's like even if you said like like beer, like you drink a beer, but it's not spelled like beer. So you're getting into this, you're getting into this thing and your last name is difficult. Think of your own name and how difficult it is for people 
unless your name is Joe Blow, and it's like everybody knows how to spell Joe Blow. Nobody's going to butcher that. There's very few names. Jim Fox is a friend of mine. No one ever gets his name wrong. But for most people, their name can be spelled or pronounced multiple ways. Uh, even I, Alexandra, I get Alexander and Alexandria all the time. Think of the pain in the butt that your own name is. Why would you want to have that same hassle with a brand name you don't? And think of how, how I don't know about you, but like if somebody pronounces my name wrong, Alexandria, I have to correct them. And it's painful. I don't like to do it. It's, it's like uncomfortable to do. Like, oh, it's actually, like, there's no I in it. It's not like the, you know, library in Egypt, Alexandria, it's Alexandra. Um, oh, well, what about cutting it short, though? No, not a fan. Don't like, <laughs> I don't know the boy's name. I'm not Alex. Uh, like Alex and Alec and, and so many I like variations. To, I like my birth name. But, <laughs> And by the way, by the way, in my in my case, Sabir is my brand name. It's not my name. My my, my family does not call me Sabir. But since everybody, uh, it's easy for them. It rolls off the tongue as Sabir. I just let it go, and that's my brand. It has become my brand name, uh, and everybody calls me Sabir. And but that's not my name. But it just has become my brand name, and because of pronunciation, I just let it go, and 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 that's what everybody calls me. Yeah, and you're somebody that was willing to let it go, and I, I'm not willing to let it go. I'm still correcting <laughs> people on my name, but when you do correct, when you do correct someone, here's what happens: you're you feel a little like, uh, especially if it's somebody like, what if it was somebody that was interviewing you, right? Or what if severe? What if you were interviewing someone really famous on a podcast, and they kept calling you the wrong name, Saber? They kept calling you Saber, like Saber. Oh, that's a that's a popular. See? Yeah. <laughs> See? I totally get it. And they're calling you Saber. Like, and you're like nice enough, you're gonna let them get away with it. I would like yeah. not let somebody get away with calling me Alexandria. But if like Richard Branson, if if he was interviewing me, like I wouldn't like how do you correct Sir Richard Branson? You just don't, right? So yeah. imagine though it's painful for you, but then it's embarrassing for the person that has been pronouncing your name sub saber for the last hour like after after your show you do a post show with your guest and yeah. you're like well actually my name is pronounced um severe like then they're embarrassed right yeah. so think about that with your brand name you never want anybody to be embarrassed you want your name to be friendly and welcoming like a welcome mat not like a do not enter sign or like barbed wire <laughs> you don't want it to be painful yeah is it ever too late to change your brand name? Because I know a lot of a lot of companies, uh, quite a few companies that uh, maybe in their early existence had an A name, it, and they they hired someone like yourself and they worked on a on a on a rebranding exercise. And part of that was also rebranding the not just the logo and stuff, but just completely changing their name. When does it make sense to change? And I've seen the other side of it too. Companies that have existed for eighty years because of, I don't know, bad PR, bad product, whatever happened, they decided to completely change their name to something completely a new name. Uh, can you talk a little bit about on, on both of those scenarios there? Sure, that's a great question. It's never too late to change your name. We just renamed a bank that's more than 100 years old. Wow. And think about this. When you are considering changing your name, look into your crystal ball. Even though that bank is more than 100 years old, they're gonna be around a lot more than 100 more years. So think about 
how old are we now and how long will we be around? Because it's it's kind of like your your childhood nickname or maybe your you're a, a woman that was has been married and like your old maiden name, like nobody's called you by that name in a really long time. Um, we just tend to shed these things and then we're only known by the new name. So look into your crystal ball. And if you've outgrown your name, it's time to change it. So there's a company in Canada called Canadian Tire. And nine out of 10 Canadians go to Canadian Tire once a week is what I read. Now, that makes no sense, right? Because you're thinking it's a tire store. Like, why would, like, when was the last time you were in a tire store? You certainly don't go there. I mean, what? Every I, week. Every, every <laughs> five years, maybe? So, Canadian Tire sells way more than tires. They sell toys and trampolines and tools and teddy bears and tropical plants. They sell all kinds of things that begin with letters more than T. But they outgrew their name. They started out as a tire store and now they're kind of, they're like a, a mass retailer, uh, like almost like a, a Walmart, Home Depot, Target type of place. They um, outgrew their name. Everyone in Canada by now knows that they sell more than tires, but in the eighties, their tagline was something like we're more Canadian tire. We're more than tires. Like what a waste of a tagline. Now <laughs> Canadian tire wanted to roll into the U S as many Canadian companies want to do. If they suddenly opened, you know, near other big box stores and you see Canadian tire, you're not going to know that they sell all of that other merchandise. You're just going to think it's a tire store. So they would have to spend millions of dollars to rebrand with a new name. So they they saw it they saw it when it was happening. They chose to keep to keep their name. I'm sure it's something that they regret now, especially if they're considering rolling into a new a new country or new markets. Um, startups often pivot and want to change their name. A lot of times, startups are so desperate to to get a name, they're just willing to sacrifice. Yeah, it's not spelled how it sounds or it's nobody knows what it means. It's not a real word. It's totally, you know, it's just some crap name we bought on some aftermarket website like brandbucket.com, which I call Barf Bucket um, <laughs> because their names are so bad. Um, so people aren't thinking, right? They're just desperate. And so then they realize, oh, our name has issues. We need to change it. Or they name their company one thing and then they totally pivot and like they're no longer. Uh, and, you know, they're no longer a dating site. Now they're a transportation app. So then they need to change their name. That happens all the time. It's never too late to change your name. And there's, you know, look, people are resistant at first or they're like, you know, a lot of people just can't let go. Um, but people eventually, we've done so many name changes. And actually, if you go to, if you go to um, my website, eatmywords.com, and you sign up, we have a free mini masterclass. When you sign up, I think you'll get on an email list and you get to see uh, these name makeovers that, so you can see how we've rebranded these companies. Um, one that I love, God, there's so many I love. Uh, one was a, web, it was a website, a dating site, and it was called Rendezvous, but it was spelled R-N-D-V-S, something like that. Like it was like, I'd like to buy a vowel, please. <laughs> and 
it was all it was a, it was an app that let you look at your Facebook friends that were their friends, your friends of friends, friends of friends that were single. And uh, so it's called Rendezvous, but spelled weird. And by, by the way, a side note, my wife would not let me watch Wheel of Fortune with her because, you know, I, I know spelling really well. And whenever she watches it for entertainment, I keep on solving this thing. So she very early in our relationship decided that when she's watching Wheel of Fortune, I can't watch it with her. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, we kind of liked it by a while. We renamed <laughs> Rendezvous Cherry Pick because you were cherry picking your friends, your friends' friends. Um, and she sold the app, the founder sold the app to Facebook. But that's an example of a, of a name makeover. Amazing. Well, uh, Alexandra, uh, you know, Fabulous insights into naming and 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 especially I would highly recommend to the audience to definitely go to eatmywords.com and check out the mini course or the or, or the class that's the, that Alexandra mentioned. Definitely sign up for it. But Alexandra, I want to ask you, what is your number one hundred thousand dollar expert insights into into naming things? Okay, everyone, <laughs> this is really important, and I want you you to let it sink in. Your name will last longer and get used more than any other investment you make in your business. So you have to make it good. Think about in the life of your business, how many different iPhones have you had or phones? How many reams of paper have you bought? How many uh, employees have you gone through? Even your most loyal employee, I had someone for 13 years. She's no longer here, but my name, Eat My Words, still is. Everything, every investment I've ever made in my business, most of it's disposable, right? But your name isn't, it's gotta last forever, so you want to make it good. And it will get used more. How many times do people see your name, say your name, or hear your name, right? Try to do the math. Okay, here's a calculator. Do the math, impossible to calculate. I hired a mathematician, like, please calculate this for me. Impossible to calculate. But just think about that. How often are people seeing your name on a name tag at an event, in social media, you know, your handle, where, how many times are they saying it? Saying it to somebody else, talking about you. How many times are they hearing it from someone else? It's really important, it is the longest it's the investment that will last the longest and get used the most. Um, so you really want to spend some time coming up with it and make sure it's bulletproof. On my website, eatmywords.com, there is a smile and scratch test you can take. It's interactive. You just, uh, on the homepage, just go down, you'll see a little a dial. It says, how, how strong is your brand name or test the strength of your brand name. Yeah, uh, you go, you put your name in, and then it will take you through a series of 12 questions, and it will ask you about different things about your name, and then depending how you answer it, it will tell you what you're doing right, maybe something that you need to fix, uh, and then you'll you'll get, at the end, you'll get the, you know, is it good, does it suck, you know, could it be better, all that stuff. So um, I, I encourage you to uh, spend time, if you're coming up with a name, if you already have a name, Chances are you know where the problems are with it because people's emails are getting bounced back. They're looking at you uh, with puzzled, you know, maybe a puzzled look when you're saying what your name is. Like they're trying to read hieroglyphics. They're not really getting it. Um, really spend some time on your name. It will last a very long time. 
And most importantly, this is what I was flashing earlier. Uh, pick up this book. Definitely pick this up in addition to being on your email signup. I think it uh, to me, there it was full of insights, not just this interview, but but also the um, uh, the book itself. So I highly recommend it for everybody to definitely pick the book up. Uh, Alexandra, thank you for being on the show, and thank you, audience, for tuning in to our to to our this week with Severe. We have a lot more guests uh, coming in over the next few weeks, uh, so please tune in. Thanks, Severe. Thanks, everyone.